You're listening to the Sunday Schmooze with the rabbi and the CEO, brought to you by Morse Life Health System, the gold standard in senior living. Now, back to your hosts, Rabbi David Vigler and CEO Mitch Zachary. Separate in the facts from the fiction. And the Baba Mises from the bottom line. You're listening to the Sunday Shmooze with the rabbi and the CEO. Mitch Zachary is the CEO of Zachary Financial Consultants. I'm Rabbi David Vigler of Chabad of Palm Beach Gardens, where you'll find traditional Jewish values for contemporary Jews just like you. Learn about us online at www.jewishgardens.com. That's jewishgardens.com for all the exciting events that are coming up in our community. We have just finished putting together our entire season guide, the entire Jewish community calendar and program guide, which should be available on our website. It is absolutely filled with so many exciting and beautiful events. You can find them online at jewishgardens.com to see all the exciting, diverse, and uh, intriguing programming and classes and events that are happening right here in our community coming up uh, this season. Can't wait. Now, we've actually already started our season here at the Chabad of Palm Beach Gardens. There's so much to do. We don't wait until Thanksgiving to start the season. Uh, there's always something going on at the Chabad of Palm Beach Gardens. In fact, this past weekend, we had the most incredible story, the most incredible guest at our Friday Night Live event. You know, Friday Night Live is our, uh, is our efforts to turn the once-a-year Jew into the once-a-month Jew. By, by having a very exciting and interesting uh, monthly events on a Friday night, turning Friday night into Shabbat at Friday Night Live. That's uh, the event that happened this past weekend where we actually brought in a survivor of the SS St. Louis, the ship that was turned away from the port of Miami, filled with Holocaust refugees. And in one of the most shameful and important moments of American Jewish history, almost a thousand Jewish refugees were sent back to Nazi Europe. And we are so fortunate today to have on the line the producer of the documentary Complicit. This is the story, the untold story, of what happened that fateful day. His name is Robert Krakow, and we are thrilled to have him here on the Sunday Schmooze. Good morning, Robert, and welcome to the Sunday Schmooze. Thank you, Rabbi. It's an honor to be here. Great to have you with us. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your work, Robert, please? Yes. Uh, I was formerly uh, an attorney in Washington, D.C., but I was very interested in the history of Jewish people and Judaism. So one day, about 30 years ago, I was walking down the street, and I said, I'm going to write the trial of Adolf Hitler. And uh, never thinking that I would succeed, but I wrote a play that put Hitler on trial. Uh, I had Shakespeare, Wagner, Ford, Roosevelt, and the Pope as witnesses in this courtroom drama. And uh, to my surprise, it succeeded. And what happened was all the research I had done on Roosevelt, uh, led me to the story of the SS St. Louis. And uh, coincidentally with that, in uh, I was living in Florida at that time, I met one of the surviving passengers, and we began to work together to create events that would tell the story of, or the tragic story of the SS St. Louis 
and the real reason why it was turned away by the Roosevelt administration in uh, June of 1939. So we made the film, and uh, happily, it has been touring the U.S. and internationally for the last five years. Amazing. Well, we were so honored to have you uh, join us here at the Chabad of Palm Beach Gardens this past Shabbat for Friday Night Live, together with the survivor, Charles Mendel, uh, who was able to uh, articulate the story, so um, this painful story, to share it with our community. And uh, we're grateful to have you with us. Can you tell us, um, Robert Krakow, the director of the movie Complicit, what was the reason, what was the real reason, according to your research, why the Roosevelt administration sent that boat, that, that boat back to Nazi Germany? Well, the, you know, there is a quite a debate that's been going on for, I would say, probably two decades that deal with the subject of America's response to the Holocaust. Um, and it's a rather intense debate between the apologists and the pro-Roosevelt uh, agenda, and then those such as myself who are taking a different view. Now, even uh, with those, uh, let us say, who are revisiting history, tend to look at Roosevelt in the context of possibly his anti-Semitic undertones, and this may have been the reason. But I put forward a different agenda, which has to do with his political ambitions. And he became a third and fourth term president against the traditions established by George Washington. He was very, very hungry for power. And between 1938 and 1944, when the Jews in Europe were most exposed, he chose political expediency over the humanitarian imperative. Hmm. So in 1938, he was envisioning a third term, even though it was against the tradition the Jewish refugee question was a very hot-button issue. He felt that if he went uh, or went to try to do things to help the refugees, it would impact his chances to win the presidency in the third term and then eventually in the fourth term as well. So it isn't so much the idea of anti-Semitism on his part. It's more his desire to maintain power at any cost. And unfortunately, the Jews were the collateral damage at that time. Robert, I have a question for you. Um, so if it was because of political expediency in 1940, well, then he was elected in 1940. I don't know if he knew at that time he'd be running again in 44. But didn't, wouldn't he have had a window of opportunity in the 40s? Okay, I understand the election of 1940, before the U.S. was even in the war. But don't you think he had a window of opportunity after that to allow some of the Jewish refugees in? Well, when you say window of opportunity, uh, you know, in my research and, of course, in my opinion, Roosevelt would have run for a fifth term. This, this was a man whose political ambitions knew no ends. And so when you talk about post-1940, um, he still was interested in the presidential, um, in running for president and being president in 1944. And once again, the rescue efforts, not so much the refugee efforts, but the rescue efforts, uh, together with the bombing of the railway tracks, uh, again... What bombing of railroad tracks? What, 
What bombing of railroad tracks? Well, when it was presented to him. Right, I'm saying he yeah, didn't. There, there was no bombing the of railroad tracks. The railroads that were not bombed. Well, the, the, po the point I'm trying to make is it was brought to him, as were other rescue opportunities. And then once again, he was thinking ahead that this would impact his opportunity to win a fourth term. Because the Jewish question was still right there in front of everyone. And, you know, he once again chose the, <clears throat> chose the road of political expediency. Because there were numerous opportunities to have helped or helped the rescue efforts, and uh, he, he failed to take them. He gets credit, unfortunately he gets credit, for the, establishing the War Refugee Board. But that was because he was threatened by Morgenthau that if he didn't do something, Morgenthau would reveal the scandal of the State Department and the Roosevelt administration for their failure to act. So if you say, yes, there was a window of opportunity, but he refused to act on it. So Robert Cracker is our guest this morning on the Sunday Schmooze. He's the director of the, movie co of the documentary Complicit, which is an expose of the untold story of the SS St. Louis, the ship in June 1939 that was filled with uh, 937 um, refu Jewish refugees from Nazi uh, Germany who sought refuge in Miami but were tragically turned away and sent back to Europe where many of them perished. And Robert Krakow, you're telling us that the uh, conclusion of your research is that you find President Roosevelt guilty in that case. Uh, yes. Yes, I find him guilty. Um, but there's an, overarching, there's an overarching theme here which was it fed into the narrative of Adolf Hitler that no one wanted the Jews. Because as you may recall, in the 1938, 1939, 1940, uh, the Nazis were prepared to let the Jews go or leave um, uh, Germany and Austria if anyone would take them. And the story of the St. Louis fed into the narrative that, look, nobody wants them, so when the, the, the Von Say conference took place in 1942, which was the formal plan for the final solution, among other stories, the story of the St. Louis came up hmm. uh, when it was discussed, what should we do now that we occupy Poland and other countries? And so it gave um, active support. St. Louis story gave active support to the idea that the Jews should be eliminated, and that no one would care. And this is why the story of the St. Louis has so much significance and so much weight uh, that bears upon the history of World War II and the Holocaust. Robert, didn't is it true that um, the boat tried to land other places like Cuba, and it was the American administration that told Cuba to not accept them? I'm glad you asked that, because that's a, you know, that, that's that's debated. It's a very controversial point of view. Now, the ship landed in the port of Havana in uh, May 1937, and ultimately uh, President Brew rejected them and forced the ship out of the harbor right around June 1st and 2nd, at which point the captain steered the ship northward towards the um, the South Florida coast. Uh, and then you had the drama of the rejection by the U.S. administration. They, the captain or, and the passengers also sought refuge in Canada, 
And as, as uh, was seen in the documentary, uh, we put forth the formal apology by uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, which took place last year. Right, I remember so that. it was Cuba, it was Cuba, it was Canada, it was the U.S., and uh, the Joint Distribution Committee, trying to act on behalf of the Jewish refugees on the ship, sought safe haven in all of the countries of Latin America and were refused. So here you have total rejection of Jews seeking safe haven in the Western Hemisphere, and once again sending the message um, to Hitler and to the world that the Jews were, uh, dare I say, you know, not worthy, not worthy of safe haven uh, in any country in the Western Hemisphere. Now, what, a very, very tragic moment. Why do you think? Now, the, why do you think those? Quick, just real quick. Why do you think those other countries rejected them? Well, you know, when we we did the uh, screening in um, New York at the Chabad of the Upper East Side, and we had the U.N. ambassadors from Argentina and Costa Rica, and they both got up and spoke on this subject matter. And it was very heartfelt what they said, and they apologized for, you know, their record not only on the St. Louis, but Jewish refugees in general. And uh, it was a, a mixed story. There were some some cases in which they helped, others in which they refused. The St. Louis, because of the situation, were just not in a position to do anything at that time. Whether it was the internal politics, whether it was a particular leadership at the time, it's, uh, it's difficult to know. Now, to answer, I do want to answer your question specifically because Benitez, Benitez's son, Benitez, Manuel Benitez, was the immigration chief at that time. And he was urging, he was the one that granted these, uh, there weren't tourist visas, they were, uh, they, weren't, they were landing permits, not official visas. And he sold them, made a lot of money, and he was trying to let them in. His son gave an interview some years ago, in which the son said, son was close to Batista, that the order came from Roosevelt to Secretary of State Hull not to let the refugees in to Havana Harbor. However, we don't have any official record of that. So, you know, there's no way to know if that was really, really true. Although one of the passengers says that they have secondhand information that the U.S. government's policy was they didn't want any more Jews in the Western Hemisphere, mm. which included Cuba, the Dominican Republic, the Virgin Islands. And so uh, perhaps because Roosevelt felt, well, another thousand Jews that would ultimately try to get into the United States would be counter to his political ambitions. But on that particular point regarding Benitez and whether the order came down to reject him, that is uh, probably will continue to be debated. Wow. Okay. I mean, it sounds like there was certainly a lot of racism in that administration. So, so sad that a country of the United States of America founded on, uh, on religious freedoms and political uh, asylum should be having those kind of attitudes. It's terrifying. 
Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But it is, it is, it is a fact. And um, uh, as we saw in the film, one of the most compelling parts of this was the opportunity that passengers could have had to get into the Virgin Islands because the Virgin Islands had approved legislation specifically stating they would allow Jewish refugees onto the island. And Secretary of State Hall, acting on behalf of Roosevelt, would say formally, we have the documents, that uh, he had looked into it but found that it was not possible. Uh, And so they put legal barriers in the way of a possibility that would have been legitimate and would have saved many, many lives. Awful. Listen, I have a question for you, Rob, just a little bit off the topic, just a little bit. But this is a burning question which a lot of us in the Jewish community are, are dealing with. Do you see any similarities between our Americans' immigration crisis at the border with the Jews' plight on the St. Louis? Well, Mitch, I will tell you that I get this question every single time in the post-film Q&A. And um, it's a difficult question, you know, to answer. However, the, the similarity, if you will, is, is the general, what do you want to say, Rachmanis, the idea of compassion to people suffering and hopefully getting into the United States. However... The major distinction is is that the countries <clears throat> the countries on the southern border didn't do not have or did not have do not have currently a mark of death on the backs of these citizens. Now there may be gangs and there may be poverty and there may be all kinds of difficulty, but there was no mark for death. And in the case of Europe, what you have with the Jewish refugees you have them marked for death. So to put the exclamation point on it, if I may, is if you look at the, the uh, murder rate per 100,000 of some of the uh, Central American countries, uh, it's tragically very high, which makes it understandable why they would want to seek a better life. But you're talking about something in the range of 50 per 100,000. In, in Nazi-occupied Europe, the statistic is more like 50,000 per 100,000. Wow. So that puts it in a context of the, um, you know, of the idea that the Jews were marked for death. The ones on the southern border, while may have legitimate claims of asylum, you cannot compare them in that way. You can compare the idea of compassion... Many people have ideas about immigration that are very legitimate, but to compare it, you know, point for point, no, I don't think so. Okay, thank you. That's a good a fair, answer. It's thank a fair you, answer and a and very, uh, very interesting, uh, well-thought-out uh, response over there. I want to thank you, Robert, for joining us here this morning on the Sunday Schmooze, talking about uh, this, this very uh, in- important project which you are so passionate about that you put so much effort and resources in that we were thrilled to share with the, our Jewish community here at the Chabad of Palm Beach Gardens this past Shabbat. And uh, I'm grateful that you were able to join us here and share this message also with our radio audience here on the Sunday Schmooze, the, the untold story of the SS St. Louis, the uh, 
the ship filled with Holocaust refugees. They were denied access for asylum in the United States of America, such an important and sad moment in American Jewish uh, history. Thank you, Robert. Do you have any closing comments before we let you go? No, uh, just it's uh, an honor to be on your show and that we've been, uh, we're particularly, of a particular emphasis of showing our film uh, on the college campuses. We've been to Harvard, we've been to Columbia and Georgetown, and we continue to further our agenda to bring this story to the younger generation, particularly those Jewish students currently on campuses around the U.S. Robert, I want to thank you. One final thought, though. Why is it that all the Jews love Franklin Roosevelt? Can you, I, I, I get that. I, I grew like up. I, I grew that. up thinking he was like a god, <laughs> and now you you hear like all this the, the, the real truth, and you go, he was anti-Semitic. How did he pull that off? Well, <laughs> the the you know, it's, it, once again, that, that is a question that I often get. People will come up to me and they say, you know, my parents named me Franklin, <laughs> you know, which is a, a, a very I know a lot of people like that. We do. Yeah, a very daunting comment when someone actually comes up and says, my parents thought so highly of Franklin Roosevelt, they named me Franklin. My grandparents cried at his funeral. We have pictures of him in our home, da-da-da-da-da, and so on and so forth. So it's a very, you know, it burns deep in the hearts and minds of many Jews who remember uh, either directly or through their parents and grandparents. Well, maybe all so, these facts weren't known back then. Yes, well, Roosevelt was seen as a hero to the uh, Jewish immigrants, particularly in, I guess you want to say, in New York, in particular in the cities. And he was thought to be for the, the you know, the working man. He created Social Security. Yeah, and he did things, you know, that were of legitimate worth to the immigrant community, Jews and others. So Jews living in America in benefited addition, greatly. Yeah, and in addition to which he did one thing, there's one word in particular at that time that is associated with Roosevelt, and legitimately so, he gave people hope. Hmm. And you cannot underestimate the power of giving people hope when, when times are bad. So that is a legacy that he deserves, but the darker, the darker story comes out later. Later. Uh, after Robert, he had passed away and after, a number, after another generation. Robert, so we're running out of we're time. In the forefront, we're in the forefront of bringing that forward. Robert, thank you for your message. It was so nice to hear from you and you're sharing your thoughts on these uh, very interesting thoughts, a very thought-provoking uh, radio show here with you. We're running out of time. I want to thank you for joining us here this morning. Thank you, and uh, we wish you much success in your endeavors. Thank you very Separating much. Separating the facts from the fiction, the Baba Mai says, from the bottom line, you're listening to the Sunday Schmooze with the rabbi and the CEO, and boy, are we separating the Baba Mises from the bottom oh, line. Man, Here we I, are, we thought Franklin Delano Roosevelt was such, a, was such a gift, and in reality, you look back and you say, wow, that was just a political ambition for which he turned away yeah, almost a thousand I, Holocaust I refugees. I was brought up in America thinking we all have to be, you're supposed to be a Democrat to honor Franklin Delano Roosevelt, because he got us out of the depression, he was a wonder, he was a wonderful president. But I've, you know me, I'm a history buff, and I agree with what Robert said, that he wasn't so good to the Jews. Right at the time, it looked it looked very nice. It looked nice. good, but he wasn't good to the Jews. But when all the dust settles, you realize it wasn't Thank exactly. Thank God he had one important Jew. 
Morgenthau working for him. That Who put him under pressure. Put, him, put a little pressure on him, but it, but it was very late. Mitch, we're running out of time, but we're thrilled to uh, have brought such an interesting guest together with an actual survivor of the SS St. Louis, Mr. Charles Mendel, to speak at the Chabad this past Shabbat. We have so much more exciting events coming up at the Chabad of Palm Beach Gardens coming up this season. Just check it, take a look online at our full calendar of events. It's at jewishgardens.com. That's www.jewishgardens.com. We would love to have you participate in our events. Join the Chabad. Become a member of our show and experience the magic of the membership at the Chabad of Palm Beach Gardens. You feel a part of something greater than you, something bigger than you. Be, be a part of the eternal Jewish people. We can't wait to welcome you aboard. That's www.jewishgardens.com. Shalom and have a wonderful week.